0: Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen host of the one of a kind you podcast. I started this podcast to share my journey of my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career and adjusting to stay at home mom life to help other women with their motherhood journeys or their work life balance journeys so they can let go, make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. So if you are a regular listener to One of a Kind You, thank you so much for tuning into another episode. I'm so happy that you're here. And if you're new, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for taking a chance and to stop by and see what this podcast has to offer. The way this podcast usually works is that I share a journal entry of mine from about five or six years ago when I was in the thick of the struggle and what I wish I had known then and what I know now as a certified life coach. But today I have a special guest with us. Her name is Barbara LaPointe, and she is a coach, and she is also an author, and she is also a fellow podcaster, and she's a mom. So Barbara wears lots of hats, and I'm going to let her tell us a little bit more about herself and fill in anything that I missed. So thank you so much, Barbara, for joining us on One of a Kind You.
1: It's an honor and privilege to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to share this space with you and your audience.
0: Yes. Yes. And so, and I've had the privilege to talk with Barbara before because I was actually on her podcast, Hope Filled Highlights. So um, be sure to check that podcast out. We'll have the link in the show notes, all things Barbara to to reach out, to get the ebook that she has to get to her podcast or website. Don't worry. All of that will be in the show notes so that you don't have to go down the Google rabbit hole trying to find her. Um, But yeah, so podcast, what would you like to chat about first, Barbara? Podcast ebook? coaching? Oh, well, I just love the way
1: you are just laying this all out, making my life so easy. Oh, good. And it's just flowing between us already. Yeah. And and you know what, we're going to talk today a little bit about conflict. Mm. And so already the energy between us is the opposite energy of the topic today, which is conflict, conflict languaging and a conflict energy or conflict paradigm. So that's fun. Um, yes, I, I, um, I'm looking forward to our talk, and, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. So your ebook is called.
1: My ebook is called "Erased by a Narcissist: One Woman's Journey to Divorcing a High Conflict Personality." Mm-hmm. It's. Totally free on my website, barbarlapoint.com. So free gift for your audience. And it outlines my journey, but it also has a lot of my journey divorcing a very uh, high conflict personality and his very high conflict uh, lawyer. Because often these personalities will attract like attracts like Mm -hmm. uh, attract um, or they'll invite a lawyer that has similar values, conflict values um, to join them. So and but the great thing about the ebook is it's it's packed with helpful tips to to deal with difficult situations in divorce or just a common law separation or a breakup. It's packed with tips to deal with family court and tips on how to avoid or reduce conflict Um, So yes, uh, let's back up a bit. I'm a life coach. And I love what I bring to the table because I have a background in inherited family trauma. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to train directly with Mark Wolin. He wrote an amazing book called It Didn't Start With You. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times in my practice, when I see women, um, families who've gone through severe abuse, there's a whole sort of behind the scenes, um, hidden picture, and often it starts up in our family tree, mm. whether it's our mom or our dad, even our grandparents. So that's something unique, unique that I offer. Um, and that's my case, I have a whole inherited family tree of family trauma with energy lines and family pattern lines of conflict, uh, conflict, um, abuse, and um, and it manifested at one point in my own family in my own marriage. So I'm really truly the heroine of my own family, as that that is on washed down the river now. And I try to spend most of my time passionately supporting others to get through it. I'm also a New Ways for Families practitioner. And New Ways for Families is a program that helps families find new ways for dealing with old problem personalities or old problems. And so a lot of what we'll be addressing today in our talk comes directly from the High Conflict Institute in Southern California. And New Ways for Families is a program offered um, through uh, the High Conflict Institute in Southern California.
0: Wow. So I relate so much to what you said about the generational aspect of conflict because i also have many lines going back of that generational conflict trauma and um on both sides of my family so my dad's side it goes back many generations and then on my mom's side too so um i resonate very much with you with what you said about how that can show up at different points in life and um and how it just it all continues to sort of manifest until you actually become the heroine of your own journey and you change that narrative. So um, when you were married to your husband, did you see the conflict, the high conflict behaviors earlier or did they start after you were married?
1: Oh, that's such a beautiful question. Well, you know what? I was unconscious to it and I had a lot of early programming in how I would bring my part to the conflict and my part was blocking it out ignoring it being very submissive and that's actually how I moved through a lot of conflict in my life and because in every situation because one thing that's true and I'm we know now is that we all run into conflict Mm -hmm. whether it's major or minor we're for sure all gonna encounter high conflict personalities in fact one in 25 people are a high conflict personalities, and I would suggest that's a moderate stat. Mm -hmm. Um, So my way of avoiding my way of dealing with conflict in my marriage, and in every area of my life for many years was to avoid it, just run, hide, avoid it, please, please, please. Mm -hmm. Um, um, So I was very much a people pleaser. And I did everything to avoid conflict. And um, you, you know, and that has its own price. But yeah. when you come head on to something, you can't avoid it anymore. And sometimes that happens for us in divorce. And what I notice is that when it happens for us in divorce, it's like a cascade of explosions because it takes us back to earlier conflicts, earlier uh experiences of abuse earlier dysfunction Mm -hmm. back 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 our first experience of abandonment and we deal all with it through all timelines in our divorce and that is a lot to process for women and that's why we need support um but it's neat because if you do process it and i i i'm blessed to see lots of women and meet lots of people actually like yourself I call them circuit breakers because mm-hmm. they are the ones that are just jamming the circuits and changing all of the energy energy lines forward for chil- for their children for mm-hmm. future generations. Mm-hmm. They're just they're the circuit breakers, and those are powerful. Um, sometimes called black sheep, they're just powerful, powerful humans. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: what if you don't mind me asking what what woke you up? to the narcissistic conf- high conflict behavior, because if you, you know, try to avoid it for so long, what got you to the breaking point where you were like, oh my gosh, I see it now. There's no more ignoring it. There's no more running and hiding. And I, I can't do this anymore.
1: It was a very, this was a very, very long journey, but at a certain point I felt like a little bit, I'd always been, always been a stay at home mom. So I felt, I did feel like I was yearning for more Mm -hmm. and I started an incredible consciousness building path called life coaching. Mm, I went, yeah. And so I went through many years of intensive life coaching with Erickson International And then I did my um, neuro-linguistic programming Mm -hmm. certification, so on and so forth. So what this does is it kind of changes you radically and it changes your core. And when I came to the height of that journey, the pinnacle and identified freedom as my core value, because so much clarity can come forth when we when we align with our values and we begin to know what are our most important values that we need to live by well for me Kim that was freedom mm-hmm. that made me one of a kind and and I filed for divorce wow and when, yeah and when I filed for divorce world war three in my world broke out
0: I can only imagine because I'm sure he was not expecting that
1: yes and <laughs> he wasn't and when you deal with a high conflict personality, they um they deal with conflict by being power assertive mm-hmm. just the opposite way that we started this podcast. So there's no um collaboration. There's no, like as Stephen R. Colby would describe, a win-win situation. So it was very much some classic narcissistic qualities that quickly came to the table to play. And, um, it was Barbara, a-
0: can you mm-hmm. give a, sorry to interrupt you, can you give us some examples of that classic narcissistic behavior? Um, because I think sometimes the word narcissist is thrown around so loosely now, it's like one of those trendy buzzwords. And I question whether ha- I question how many people actually know what a true narcissist is or what a true narcissist acts like. So can you just give us like a quick snippet of like those typical narcissistic behaviors? I'd love to,
1: Kim, because it's such a fascinating topic, and I agree with you. Uh, It's a topic that's in the collective consciousness, and um, most times when I'm talking and referring to a narcissist, I'm talking to an extreme cases, because it is a spectrum. Mm -hmm. Another lovely way to say it is high-conflict personality, because it also covers more of a spectrum. But -hmm. these are personalities, to answer your question, Kim, that are grandiose that enjoy conflict it fuels them in fact one study showed that a narcissist heart rate actually slows down during a conflict or an attack that they're making really yeah
0: and opposite for everyone else
1: yes so that that sets the playing field unfair in my view from the beginning yes they are master manipulators Mm -hmm. and they manipulate family lawyers they manipulate professionals. They're blame shifters. Bill Eddy from the High Conflict Institute calls them the arrogant players of divorce. So divorce or or a breakup very much means game on, the war is on. Whereas a lot of times women will be thinking, well, when I when I end the marriage or when I break up, things will begin to get better for me. Mm-hmm. Because it's probably taken them a long time to get to that point. It did take me years. Well, things—it's the opposite with a narcissist because things begin to get worse, and the post-legal uh, abuse and the post-abuse from the point of the breakup is it intensifies. Mm. So there's a lot of um, attacking, demeaning, insulting, belittling, taking away a woman's power. Mm -hmm. Uh, through time. And you might notice this in their behavior. You might notice this in um, papers that they file in terms of affidavits. You'll start to notice this attack languaging. And that's what I call it. Um, The High Conflict Institute would call it um, conflict language or conflict languaging from these high conflict personalities. Um, And the reason why there's um, an attack is because they have this pattern through life, it's enduring, it's not one time of all or nothing thinking very much black and white thinking. And in practical terms, we can make it like this, we can say it like this, I get angry, unmanaged emotions in brackets, I take revenge. And that's that black and white thinking playing out in real life. So they have these unmanaged emotions, whether it be anger, uh, sadness from childhood, but their emotions are unregulated. And that's why they can flip uh, very quickly um, into uh, the opposite of constructive conflict resolution um, attacking through lawyers, abuse, And it takes all form. So narcissistic abuse is really challenging because it's especially through a divorce or breakup, it's enduring, Mm -hmm. enduring. So, um, what else about high conflict personalities?
0: Do you think Um, that it's also a challenge? Because does it tend to be more um, covert, or is it overt? So, like, are they really good at doing kind of on the down low? So then, if you were to say to someone, "Hey," I'm experienced this, there really wouldn't be sort of any evidence. And people are like, what are you talking about? I don't see that happening to you. Or is it more blatant where it's like, they're going to slash your tires or, you know, follow you around, you know, when you're out running errands or something like that, or, or can it be both?
1: It can be both, but I think for the context of our conversation would be more overt or more more um, hidden, not overt. The opposite, where there is no evidence, where someone's looking at this person, the narcissist or HCP high conflict person, and they're saying, "Well, he looks really great. He's so put together. Mm-hmm. Um, he always seems really polite because they're often charming, charismatic, mm-hmm. convincing. Um, so those are those can be very attractive and valued qualities in our society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are charismatic. So everything looks okay from the outside. Yeah. Um, yeah, And that, you know, that is often referred to in social media terms as gaslighting. Yes. We're behind in the hidden scenes. This person is wreaking havoc mm-hmm. on another life. And it's not an exaggeration or a hyperbole to say that these type of narcissists or HCPs are dangerous people,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. dangerous people, Um, they wreak havoc in family court, they wreak havoc in women's lives, they wreak havoc in divorce, Um, they do another quality of them, Kim, is they don't often, almost never, very unlikely that they're going to go to therapy, because they're arrogant, they're grandiose, Um, they're not going to go to therapy, whereas someone like you or I would, would be first to sign up for therapy, because... works in progress. We're coaches, you know, Um, they're never going to go to therapy in the unlikely case that a narcissist said, yeah, I'm going to go to therapy or got forced through a diagnosis to go into therapeutic uh, process. Um, It is estimated by the High Conflict Institute that it takes five years minimum, and most often fails. So for them to change their behavior. Wow, five years is a long
0: time. Yeah. So it, these are maybe even longer if they're arrogant and don't think that there's anything wrong with their behavior. Yeah. Why
1: would they go to therapy? Right. So, so back to their blame shifting and what they do is they place a target on someone's back, hopefully not yours, but their, their partner's back. And so that's where they shift their blame. It's your fault. This is your fault. I'm angry. You deserve revenge. And it starts eroding a person's confidence, self-esteem, all of those good feeling emotions. And then it starts affecting a woman's identity when she's in this process for a long, long time.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So another major characteristic is placing a target on a woman's uh, back through divorce.
0: Yeah, well, and I just have to say, listening to all of this, you're so courageous for for identifying your value of freedom and then making the choice to, to go through with the divorce. Um, because I can't imagine that that was easy for you. And then especially not when things escalate going through the divorce. So I just can't imagine how, um, challenging that must've been.
1: Um, it was, uh, it, it's been quite a journey. So I did seven years, um, <laughs> Five, uh, five over five years of daily litigation. Wow. And, that, and that, so when, interestingly enough, I, I do do a lot of reading. And recently I was reading the stat that when a NARC, narc targets you, it will usually last for about 3.5 years Um, statistically. Whoa. So at 3.5 years, my ex-spouse amped everything up and intensified things. And then he filed to remove all of my parenting rights uh, around religion, around custody, around medical. Now, back up, I had a background my entire life of being a stay-at-home mom, Mm -hmm. two children. Um, I worked in the community in the vulnerable sector with children. And I'd spent many, many years um, teaching art to children. <laughs> okay, there's a painting behind me. So can you imagine when I was called an unfit mother, yeah. and to have all of my parenting rights removed. So through this process, there were many times where I couldn't even buy groceries, because mm-hmm. literally all my money was going uh, to a family lawyer.
0: Yeah, that's just unbelievable. I mean, my skin is literally crawling right now. at The fact that at three and a half years, it it wasn't done. It was really almost on some level just beginning. And that was already after eight years of marriage. So now you're 11 and a half years into this journey.
1: Yeah, that was a closer to 18 years of marriage. Oh, yeah. And they wow. went through five, three and a half years of divorce. And it took me about three hard years before I filed at three and a half years, he amped it up to a high conflict custody battle. And um, that took a long time to resolve. A couple more years, and so it, it, the the point is, it just kind of never stops. Mm-hmm. So the definition that might be relevant to give right now of high conflict is a personality that doesn't come to the table through time. It's an enduring pattern of behavior. Whereas instead of resolving conflict, yeah, they are or reducing it, they're. Inciting conflict. They're excited by conflict. They're creating conflict, and uh, over, and it's a continuous, re- repeated pattern of behavior that's extremely destructive. This is an intense co-
0: conversation
1: for breakfast time.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're still with me. So- yes, I am because this, um, it well, first of all, it needs to be talked about. But secondly, I think it's fascinating because people don't have the awareness, and so the more that we have the awareness and we learn about these types of behaviors and these tendencies and uh, what triggers them, then we can do more to help ourselves and to help our children and you know to be that circuit breaker. So I just. Um, I'm always fascinated. I'm very much in um, fascinated. And this is, I guess, where, where coaching is a good for, fit for me is that I'm always fascinated with why do people do what they do? How do people get to where they are in life based on the life experiences that they've had? So um, I always think like, you know, what happened in their life for them to develop these narcissistic characteristics or was it something that they were born with?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, it's, It's a fascinating topic. I have a private Facebook group for women called Narcissism 101 for Women. And one thing that I see often is women, two things, Uh, like you, they get curious, and they're investigating it, and they're trying to figure out how it started. But honestly, the quicker you get to healing is the quicker you move the energy, your energy field back to yourself, Mm -hmm. and start just trying to figure out why? Why are you involved in this? Why are you playing your part? Enmeshed, codependent, whatever words you want to use. And a lot of times that slowed down for women, Kim, Mm -hmm. and I encourage women to just start saying, okay, focusing in here for that quantum emotional healing and figuring out your own patterns. The second thing I see in my group is that women will go, once they start getting awareness and deeper understanding, oh, this is not the first one. And they have a whole collection of narcissists in their lives.
0: I can imagine, you know, because as much as the narcissist is running the pattern, we're running the pattern too of attracting those people into our lives. Because We are doing that to meet our own needs, or because it's what we are conditioned to believe we're deserving of, or it's what feels comfortable and safe because that's the environment that we grew up in.
1: So it comes right back to where we began with inherited family trauma or early, early trauma Mm experienced. So we can begin then to start stepping in and doing those compassionate inquiries to for ourselves Mm -hmm. and just going oh and getting like you said as coach but anyone can do this just getting really very curious about where this began, the place of origin. Mm -hmm. Most women will. So I interviewed 25 women who received over the recipients of severe narcissistic abuse Mm -hmm. in the USA, and they all had severe early trauma and they were all essentially to say it simply abused as children. Mm -hmm. So, um, I thought that was fascinating. And most uh, oftentimes, too, you're going to find a parent that was uh, exhibiting some of these behaviors. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I think, and it's probably, you know, if the parent is exhibiting the behaviors, it probably even goes back to their parent or maybe even a grandparent, because I don't think it's something that just develops like that. I think it's learned over a period of time. And so without that awareness, we keep repeating the same. Problem or pattern over and over um, because on some level we just don't know any better or it doesn't occur to us that it's really not serving us
1: yeah that all takes a lot of cultivation of of our awareness our consciousness and the and and then the to me one of the most powerful layers you could bring to it is exactly what you're talking about is the investigation into our family tree multiple um is uh, the words escaping me multiple lineages our grandparents our grandparents parents and when you shake down the family tree Kim it's amazing what comes out it is amazing and it's true sometimes we are playing our part uh sometimes it is us still but at the same time the paradox is sometimes it doesn't even belong to us Mm -hmm. um You know, sometimes this has been going on and we're like, wow, this has been going on since my ancestors. Mm -hmm. No wonder I behave like this or no wonder I have a child that doesn't and I'm not married. Well, there's been a whole matriarchal lineage prior to me that where this has been, you know, so it's it's fun to collapse the timelines instead of look and and just, you know, looking at it in a in a in a bigger, a bigger way.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think too, it's, you know, so when I started my healing journey, I did not know, um, I was because I left my teaching career and I thought I was having an identity crisis. And so I went to therapy because I was not thinking very productive thoughts about my life because I was struggling with being a stay at home mom, because I was so connected to that identity of kindergarten teacher. And so I was like, Oh, I should probably go talk to someone. And at that time I didn't know life coaching was a thing. So I went to a therapist And in that time, and she was like, do you know you're codependent? Do you know that you are anxious? Do you know that you suffer from childhood emotional neglect? I didn't have any awareness of those words. I never heard the word codependent before. I never heard the word in mesh before. But then when she used those words, it was like the light bulb went ding ding. I was like, oh, I see it now. And I know it's because of this on my dad's side of the family. And I know it's because of this on my mom's side of the family. And then I can even throw my stepmom's family in the mix and my stepdad's family in the mix. And when you bring all of that together, it's like, no wonder. But it was the blessing in that was then I had the awareness of those words. I had the awareness to say like, okay, all of this is mine because I've been inadvertently given it. It's an unintended gift, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't know that I was gifted those things, but I don't really like that present. So I'm making a choice to return it to the store and we're not going to engage in that any longer. And so that was really the journey. I I didn't
1: know. Yeah, you had so many like kaboom, light bulb moments or like where pieces of the puzzles were were fitting in where you said, no wonder, no wonder. And then you you start to get a little bit freer and a little bit freer. Um, I'm glad you brought up that word, Kim, codependency because yeah, I would say probably anyone who has been with uh, a narcissist is codependent and Mm -hmm. would identify with that label. These are all labels that we're using even ourselves. yes. But it gives us a start. yeah for sure. When we really start healing, we just remove all the labels.
0: Yes. and that was what I did not know at the time. And so I became so obsessed with those labels and that was not a serving strategy to be obsessed with the labels because then it was like, well, I'm just like this because I'm codependent or I'm just like this because I'm anxious or I'm just like this because of childhood emotional neglect. <laughs> that was really not good I was more miserable then after the labels than I was before the labels so it was like I needed to let go of the labels and say "Mm -hmm. I am not those things I'm running a pattern of that I'm running a pattern of this but I am not those things Mm
1: -hmm. yeah that's when we start to get really empowered when we realize we're not those things as Mm -hmm. you say we're not our labels we're all one. So they're not their labels. Mm-hmm. And we're not, our, we're not our thoughts. Because and so, yeah, and I just see like your face relaxing, as mm-hmm. I say that. And then as you start to feel it, then you can deepen it and deepen it. But yeah, it's totally, a, it's a process through time. Mm-hmm. Self love, it's self love and self healing, mm-hmm. An emotional release process. As I see, see this often in my group, and in my practice, too, where people are like, it, it, do, it does feel empowering at first when we go, oh, that's codependency. And this is why, because, you know, and then, and then over time, we we deepen it and it becomes something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, and that's the, that's the blessing of doing this work.
0: Yes. Yes. And so, so I'm so, you know, in the moment I was so angry, but now with the distance and the time, um, I'm so grateful because now I know. I have the vocabulary, I have the language, and I don't have to continue to engage in that. I, I can let that go. It gives me the awareness and the recognition, and I don't have to pass it on to my kids. I don't have to allow it to continue to show up in my relationship with my husband or friendships or anything like that, um, but the, but the time part was also a big struggle because I thought, okay, I, now I know, and it's healed and that's it. It's done. And when it was years of doing this work and years of being able to let go of these labels, there were times where I was like, Oh my God, I wish I didn't know. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like you take a pause button and you know, it can be overwhelming. Yes. Yeah. 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 It can be overwhelming. But that, that is neat when you start out the journey and then you can take breaks and you can be soft with yourself and, and, you, and then you can restart and keep going. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. So tell us about some of the strategies that you use. So, um, you have, well, mindfulness is one of the strategies, the tools that you suggest, but then you also have something B I F F. Okay. That'd
1: be awesome. So let's back up just one quick step. Sure. I just want to, just acknowledge you because you were able to take this transformation journey and just to point out in the context of our conversation that that's something the narcissist can't do because of this inflexible all-or-nothing thinking so they can't do what we did Mm -hmm. they can't go from broken to whole Mm -hmm. from broken to empowered they can't do that and they lack empathy so the first point for me was that 3.5 years into the legal daily legal proceedings, where I learned the label narcissist. And it gave me like an entry point to start understanding this high conflict behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, At a certain point, I learned a strategy called the BIF strategy. Mm -hmm. And that is a high conflict institute strategy created by the most renowned and respected person, Bill Eddy, author, psychologist, mediator. And BIF is just a way that we can deal with anyone in the workplace, bedroom, marriage, home, uh, or anyone to deal with a high conflict personality. I use it all the time now. So BIF stands for brief, Informative, firm and friendly. I always add on, we shouldn't be too friendly and definitely very firm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but brief informative. So it's really like a business note and you can perfect writing these Biff notes all the time. Um, cause they don't come naturally because again, when we're attacked, what do we do?
0: We either get defensive or we retreat.
1: Yeah. Defensive. We retreat and we Take it personally too. Mm -hmm. Like it feels all very personal. So instead of writing an emotionally charged response that might be reactive, we take that 48 hours to just not communicate at all and take a break, come into our present moment self and come back with a biff strategy or a biff structured email for high conflict people in the workplace or divorce that's brief, informative, firm, and friendly. It's totally unemotional. It's very, very short. And there's nothing to respond to. There's nothing to attack back to. And it will just uh, reduce your legal bill, um, reduce conflict, keep keep everyone accountable. Like they're really, really great. And if you're going through a divorce, a little trick that I add on is to find a family lawyer that also uses the Biff strategy. Mm-hmm. Those are like finding a needle in a haystack. But there's nothing to have a conflict about. That's how precise, uh, and clear and non-emotional, uh, a email is.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the, the interesting takeaway is that you have to find someone who is aligned with your values. Um, because sometimes if we take that, you know, find an attorney who is high conflict and then they're going at someone else who is high conflict, it's just gonna, the whole thing is going to explode and be far more, catastrophic than when you have one person who can take the Biff approach um, and not engage back in that explosive confrontational mm-hmm. way
1: yeah it's it sounds easier to do than not because yeah. we can especially if we're empathetic we're emotional yeah. we're hurt we're wounded we're we haven't gone through this transformational journey first we might want to defend ourselves mm-hmm. we're hurt it hurts yeah you can even do this in the workplace with a boss you know just it's editing down your email to two sentences four sentences that are necessary
0: yeah brief
1: informative, firm and friendly
0: yeah I think that's key because um I'm like oh I think in my mind like I always write a novel (laughs) in an email like even if it's not confrontational I'm always writing a novel me too Two to four
1: senses. That sounds lovely. Yeah. Pretend you're an editor of a book, but like we're sort of like emotionally conditioned to do that. Like I feel this and I notice this. And if you want to do this, you can do that. And this might be, you know, an on and on and on. Well, this is a really bad strategy with high conflict people. Um, Now, if you and I were exchanging an email, we could do that with high conflict person, the sooner you implement the BIF strategy. And if you can get these strategies going at the beginning, it's just your outcomes are so much um shinier more shinier
0: yes even though i think um it would probably like if we were emailing back and forth it would probably behoove me to keep it short uh, because sometimes my husband will say the abridged version kim or the extended version and like ha ha (laughs) smarty pants so um even conversating and i think that's part of Um, you know, my, my upbringing and, you know, the childhood experiences that I had, I was, you know, often felt like I had to explain myself and justify and give every, you know, minute detail of the day um, where my husband didn't grow up like that. So it's, you know, I always joke and say he had, you know, his family had the white picket fence around the yard, even though that's not true. Um, But in comparison to my upbringing, his was vastly different, a lot less Uh, less conflict, a lot less, and um, a lot less dysfunction than what I grew up with. So um, I think that even in a friendly, non-confrontational conversation, I still share way too much. (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, I totally get that. Like um, boundaries, and then just being unapologetically who we are. We don't, excuse me, we don't have to justify our existence on the planet we don't have to justify who we are, what we want, our nose with a reason behind it. You know, um, and as women, correct me if I'm wrong, Kim, because you deal with, with young girls. But as women, we are more vulnerable to this type of early programming. Mm-hmm. And it, it blocks our power it yeah. blocks from speaking our personal truth.
0: Yes. And so and that's why, you know, with my after school program, I'm working so diligently to give the girls those tools to establish boundaries, to understand that they don't have to just enough justify and explain away every single thing about themselves, that they can show up just the way they are. And that is more than enough. Uh, Because I know from my own experience, how stressful it is to always feel like you have to be on and always explaining and always justifying and you know, making sure like, you know, oh my gosh, it's one fifteen, and I should have been home 10 minutes ago and uh, they're going to think this or they're going to think that. And um, when that's not, it doesn't need to be that way and that's not the case. So um, helping them to program themselves now as younger girls to be empowered and understand um, their own strength, uh, physical strength, but also emotional and mental strength, mm-hmm. but also their worth and their value Um, So that they don't compromise on that when they're older.
1: Yeah, I just love this program that you have for the empowerment of young girls, because that's going to make all the difference in their lives. But because the bottom line is when you're grounded in your own power, when you know how to make a solid non-porous boundary, um, you're empowered, Mm -hmm. you're strong, and you can serve and preserve your own life force instead of constantly letting it leak out.
0: Yes. Yes. So Barbara, how, if someone does not currently have a mindfulness practice, um, what would be one thing that they could do to start developing that?
1: Sure. Well, I guess after all this, you know, taking our entire conversation into consideration, we talked a lot about the emotional damage of a narcissist, how it impacts our Mm -hmm. self-esteem, how to get our personal power back, how to stand in our truth, how to uh, use effective strategies like a BIF. We've covered a lot of territory. But one thing that was consistent is building that awareness or self-awareness to, um, to start to make some of these positive changes. So one thing you can do for yourself to heal and get some of your personal power back and to understand the dynamics and to build your awareness and also to bring that peace back, that peace like peace in your heart that's been stolen away is is a small mini mindfulness practice your own mindfulness practice where you're just taking a few moments at the beginning until you build momentum and really the core of it is bringing all your present moment life force or energy back to yourself and just bringing you know your your soul to a present moment that's just for you so it's how did that sound it's just like coming to your present moment point of power and awareness centering in your heart Mm -hmm. centering down deep in your pelvic floor or some might call it your root chakra feet planted on the ground and just allowing your breath to come in all the way down and cleanse and then releasing what you'd mentioned earlier, Kim, when you breathe out, just releasing anything that's not serving us and just just being mindful to the miracle of life, because a lot of us go through life, but we never experience the miracles that are possible in life. Mm-hmm. So mindfulness is a, a gift, a gift that you can start cultivating in your life. Mm
0: mm-hmm. Um, One of the things that I do is, especially if I'm outside and I feel like, you know, I have that rushing kind of energy, like, oh, I have to do this and I have to do this. Uh, Occasionally there will be an owl outside that hoops. And it's as soon as I hear him, it immediately snaps me back. And I just focus on listening to him make his noise. And, um, and I just listen for just a couple seconds. And that sometimes will be enough to bring me back to being present in that moment. Um, and sometimes it's just walking barefoot
1: on the grass. I love it. That's beautiful. What's it The hoot is a great way to anchor it into your, yeah. your system. And yeah, the earthing with your feet on the grass. Amazing. Yeah. And, you know, you might be really sensitive to the hearing and extending out your hearing. How far can I hear? What sounds do I love? And others might be sight. Just focusing on one thing of peace in the room, whether it's an angel, or a crystal, or a rock, or a flower, or your daughter's picture, son's picture, and others, it might be more somatic, or you know, where they're just tapping their heart in the butterfly pose, giving themselves a hug to calm down. Like you said, rushing around, rushing around. We do live in such like an adrenaline society Mm -hmm. that we even have like forgotten how powerful we are. And we've forgotten how to just earth, how to calm down um, in this adrenaline rushing pattern. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, I think the suggestion, suggestion that you gave for starting a mindfulness practice is just simply wonderful because it it's doable. It doesn't feel overwhelming because I think some people think, oh, I can never even start that because my mind is always racing, or I have too much to do. And I just can't. And Mm -hmm. so this is just such a simple way. It's it's something that doesn't take a lot of time. It literally just takes two seconds, five seconds, 10 seconds, and to get you to reconnect and tap back into who you are.
1: You know what? I like that, Kim. And I think you're right, because it's simple. It's short. I never thought of it that way. And sometimes if I were to say to you, Kim, why don't you go into meditation? Well, a lot of times people are like meditation. I like what you know, it's 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 like intimidating. I don't know how to meditate. I'm right. And it but just mindfulness, just one thing. Another thing is I used to wear a crystal or like a an amethyst here, or a crystal you like, whatever, a diamond. And then if I held it, you could do that. Just mm-hmm. hold your necklace. And that could be like an anchor, like the owl hooting. But mindfulness, short periods of time throughout the to- throughout the day will build up a momentum of more peacefulness, more present moment awareness. And um, I would say the foremost... Um, teacher on mindfulness he just passed away is the buddhist monk Thich net hung so Mm -hmm. give him give him a google if you want to you know get even more mindfully aware
0: yes his um just an amazing amazing human being with all his wisdom and knowledge about mindfulness um so incredible so powerful and is such a great resource Um, this has, this has been lovely chatting. I feel like I've learned so much today and I know that my listeners will definitely learn something too. And so, so. um, if people after visiting and reading your ebook or, you know, following you on social, if they have questions, is it okay to send you a message maybe on Instagram or through Facebook or, um, are you open to that?
1: Yeah, I'm so active on social media. You can follow me on TikTok, Facebook. My website is com. I have a free downloadable PDF on mindfulness for women on my website, uh, in addition to the free ebook. And um, my YouTube channel hosts the Healing Broken Families podcast. And I'm always live on there responding to real time problems, uh, challenges, questions. So I welcome it.
0: Yes. Okay. Fantastic. So, with that being said, be sure you go to the show notes. You get the ebook. You go to the website. You get the D, the PDF. You go watch YouTube. You do all the things, and you just go right to the show notes, and it's all right there. So you don't have to go searching all over. So one stop shopping to get to Barbara. She is a wealth of knowledge, an amazing resource. So be sure to take advantage of that. Thank you again Barbara for being I guess someone on of a kind you I'm so so grateful that you took the time to be here with us today.
1: I'm honored Kim you're amazing and wishing everyone healing solutions and this was a lot of fun. Healing oh, healing is fun. Thank you.
0: Yes, thank you and you're equally amazing. So if you found this episode helpful please feel free to share it with a friend because the more the merrier. And if you would be so kind to leave a review I take the time to read all the reviews myself to ensure that this podcast continues to be a resource, a place of support, a place of guidance, really one-stop shopping, because let's face it, us women have to stick together, us moms have to stick together. So thank you so much for tuning into another episode, and I will see you next week.